0: All right. Well, let's go ahead and get started. So, can you guys hear me? Okay, is it too loud? No. Too loud? Okay. All right. Can you hear me? Huh? What'd you think? Uh, Obviously, just a reminder, we have our uh, Hallelujah Quilters Retreat coming up, and so that we want to remind all the guys about. That's a totally free event. You don't have to make chili to come, but if you do, that's always encouraged. Uh, More chili, more options, the better. Uh, We'll also have a cornhole tournament that day, so it's going to be really fun. So, come on out for that. Guys of all ages, so grandkids, kids are all welcome to come and hang out. Um, Harvest Hay Rides going on uh, over at the Proctor's House October 27th. That's a Friday, uh, 6 to 9. So, that's going to be. Hanging out in the barn, tons of food. Uh, there'll be a bonfire going. We'll do the hay rides. Um, it'll be a lot of fun. Again, kids are welcomed. Uh, if there is rain, uh, the event is still going on, but the hay ride may or may not. It just depends. But we will do the event no matter what. So, just a reminder on that if it does rain, the hay ride might be affected. But if it doesn't rain and we do the hay ride, you definitely want to be there because. It is a lot of fun. We usually have two uh, hay wagons going at the same time, and we literally just go all around the dirt roads there and stuff, and everybody has a blast. So that's going to be going on October 27th, totally free. There is a sign-up sheet. If you'd like to bring something, uh, you can sign up at the Welcome Center to do that. That's not required. Um, also want to let you know this coming Sunday we do have communion going on so don 't forget about that it 's going to be in our morning service so we 're excited to be able to celebrate the lord 's Supper together um, also this Saturday we do have men 's prayer breakfast is starting back up so 8 a.m Saturday for any guys that are interested um, again guys of all ages are welcome to come uh, if you want to come help prepare some of the food I think they get here about 7 fifteen um, David Channel is usually one that helps in the kitchen at times so he might know a little bit better about that um, or Phil Bill who's with Word of Life tonight, um, he'll know more about that as well. Also, after that, Ladies' Day Out is going on this Saturday, 9.30. Uh, meet here at the church, um, Frankenmuth, going over to Frankenmuth. And, and so there is uh, a map at the Welcome Center if you need that uh, with kind of the idea of where you're going. Um, and it's going to be a great, great time for the ladies. And so 9.30 here at the church. Um, is there an ending time on that? Is it 3 or something? to 3. Yep. So, um, again, just a great time to come out and hang out, ladies. So definitely want to take advantage of that. Um, And then the teens have an all-nighter coming up October 20th into the 21st, that's 10 p.m. to 7, so that's going to be for students 7th through 12th grade. Um, Again, totally free event for them, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So a lot of things going on in October, a lot of things going on, and it's going to kind of stay relatively busy. November, we kind of slow down a little bit, um, and then we'll move into, obviously, the Christmas season. Uh, It was so great to start a rehearsal this last Sunday night for the Children's Musical. Um, I think Renee said they had 15 signed up. First night, we had like 25 kids come so 10 more than what signed up, so that was a huge praise, Um, and so looking forward to that, looking forward to how the Lord's going to use that in December to really encourage family members, friends uh, to come out during that time, so be praying about that, be praying about the Lord to use that in a mighty way, not only in the kids' lives, but in the lives of family members that might come to see the musical and stuff like that, Um, and that's why uh, we do the kids' musical on Sunday morning. Um, We kind of give the—most of the service is going to be the musical, and we do that on purpose because I know a lot of churches do it on Friday nights or Sunday nights, which Which is fine. Uh, We really want to do it where as many people as possible are coming and experiencing that, all right? And it's fun for the kids to be able to look up and see, you know, a packed house and family members there and stuff like that. So uh, so that's going to be going on. So that's all the announcements that I have right now. Um, Side note to that, don't forget coming up real soon here, sooner than we realize, um, Operation Christmas Child will be coming up here real soon, so be thinking about that. Maybe you couldn't be involved last year. Um, Operation Christmas Child is literally just putting together a shoebox, and it goes through Samaritan's Purse, and it's given to children in uh, situations where they don't really have much for Christmas, and with that goes the gospel. And so you can put together a shoebox very easily, very inexpensive, and really honestly change a child's life. So uh, we do that every Christmas, and so that's going to be going on this year. Um, Also, Word of Life will be also asking for donations for shoeboxes that the kids are going to put together, and I love that they do that. They kind of get together as a group, put together a bunch of them, color some pictures for them, whatever, and then they'll put a picture of the Word of Life group in the shoebox so they can kind of see the kids and get to know the kids and stuff like that. So a lot of fun. So we have a lot of fun with that. So uh, last year was one of our bigger years for the number of shoeboxes we brought in, and so we're praying for even more this year. And so just be thinking about that. I know we're a little ways out yet, uh, but it's going to be here before you know it. All right? That's all the announcements I have, unless anyone has a question about anything. I will say before we pray, too, thank you for your patience and our uh, enduring through all the dust and the dirt out here. Um, It's a good thing we're replacing the carpet out there because they got pretty dirty this week. We're doing the gym floor. Uh, They started that Monday. And so those that weren't with us on Sunday, um, the Lord has blessed tremendously. And the remaining envelopes for our fund for floors were taken on Sunday of Two Sundays ago, and so um, a donation was made. Um, so we are ever so close to being done with that fundraising, and so we already got some of the office, the office carpeted, the nurseries carpeted, and then that gym floor is being done to this week prayerfully by Friday. That's the plan. And then we'll move into next week. We're going to do the hallway. Uh, we'll start on the lobby out here. Uh, we'll still have service. That's our, our goal is to always have service. And so that'll be going on next week. So pardon our dust, if you will, pardon all the stuff that's going on. It's exciting, but I kind of, I'm already at a point of wanting it to be done. um, because it's just a little inconvenient, but, uh, we have amazing work leaders and volunteers. Um, Word of Life is on a very, structured schedule when you work with kids there has to be schedule there has to be structure and usually the kids are in there playing their game and all of the classes use the gym obviously they're not able to use it tonight like we hoped they would have been able to and so we reached out to them uh when i realized it this morning and no complaints no issues every one of the leaders was like hey you know what we'll just change our schedule we'll get the kids outside before it gets dark we'll do something fun like that are you looking outside right now at kids um And so I just want to say just a huge praise because that's not always easy to do. As a teacher, you're used to your routine, you're used to what you need to do, um, but not one complaint. Not one issue. Nobody had, they were just like, oh, that's fine. We'll make it work. So I just so appreciate our Word of Life leaders. Um, and this goes to junior church and every other level. But just specifically tonight, for them to be so flexible is a huge, huge praise. Because uh, I know a lot of churches, that probably wouldn't be the case. You'd have some upset people. But just praise God for our church family. So, um, But other than that, as we're praising the Lord for all of that, we'll go ahead and open in prayer. Unless there's any other questions or comments about any upcoming events. All right, let's pray. Father... We come before you tonight, Lord, just so thankful for just all that we just shared, Lord, that you are working in taking care of all these things, Lord. And we know that to many, it would just be kind of a silly thing to really praise you for some flooring getting redone, Uh, Lord. But we know that there's been a lot of people that have given that not only tithes and offerings to this and giving support financially, but, Lord, they've given prayers and they've put in work, Lord, Uh, Father, for all the guys that came out on Sunday evening to to take the carpet out of the the fellowship hall, Lord, for it to only take a half hour because we had so much help, Lord. What a blessing to see uh, just just men and women in our church willing to serve, willing to do whatever it takes. And, Lord, uh, I just thank you for the spirit of our church in that regard, that we have so many that are willing to sacrifice and give of their time, finances, prayer. Uh, Lord, just we're so, so blessed. And we praise you because you're working in us in that way. It's not us. You're working in us. And so, Father, we praise you for that. We thank you again for our leaders and our volunteers that are so flexible to be willing to change schedules and routines so that it, it fits what's needed. And, and Lord, to do so with a good heart and a good attitude, uh, we just praise you for that. And Lord, we pray that you would be with us tonight as we continue to talk about this letter to our church. Like, what would it sound like? If you were to write a letter to our church. And so, Lord, we know we cannot definitively say that these specific things is what you would say. But because they're based in your word, I believe that they still apply to us. And so I pray you'd help us to have an open heart, an open mind a willingness to hear what you have for us. And Lord, I pray that you just continue to be glorified in all that's said and done. Thank you for tonight, Lord. Thank you for all the ministries going on. May you bless each one as the kids are hearing the word, the teens, uh, Lord, as we hear the word tonight, Lord, that you would just open hearts and minds to you, shape us into the image of Christ, help us to be conformed to what you'd have for us, Lord, that we would leave this place changed. Because Lord, any anytime we have an encounter with you through your word, by the working of your spirit, we will be changed. And so Lord, thank you for that, that, that reality, that we don't have to hope we're changed. If we surrender and we're open, you'll do that work. And so, Father, again, we thank you for all of this, and we ask that you lead God and direct in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are picking up where we left off last week in our kind of outline, uh, through a letter to North Goodland. And so if you were not with us last week, I have some more handouts up here. If you were with us, you have the handout, or if you don't have it, you forgot it at home. That's fine too. Um, I've got some more copies up here. So is there anyone that was not with us last week or needs a copy? All right. There you are. There you go. There you are. Anyone else? i someone going back? That's okay. Can you get Jeff one too? Thank you. Anyone else? (laughs) I always love the look. The look people give me, they don't want to raise their hand, but they're like, me me right here. (laughs) Last one. Oh, okay. Over there. Yes, I do. Uh, Pens and clipboards. We do have that up there. There you go, sir. Who needs a pen and clipboard? Clipboard. Let's do this. There you go. There's a pen. Oh, I can. Are you sure? Okay, thanks. Awesome. Yeah. Who needs a pen? Who else needs a pen? Just a clipboard. Clipboard. Okay. (laughs) Drink of water. Yeah. Anyone else need a clipboard? Anyone? Okay. What's that? You're getting low on coffee. If you wanted me to get you, thank you, Paige. If you want me to get you more coffee, brother, I will. I would get your coffee. I'd find it an honor to get your coffee. What's that? Something like that. Nothing I said just now was sarcasm at all. It's totally meant it. No, um, I really would get his coffee though. That, that I do mean. So, That's right. yeah, uh, it's in the fridge. It's in the fridge. Help yourself. Um, when I was growing up, my mom always said, if you visited our house more than twice, you weren't a guest, you were family. So help yourself. I always thought that's really like friendly and kind of, no, she just didn't want to do things for people. She was like, no, get your own drink out of the fridge. I don't want to do that. All right. So we are picking up, uh, for those that weren't with us last week or just got a handout, uh, letter B in your notes, we're going to start there. A quick, quick review of this—what we talked about last week—is if you were with us when we did our seven letters to the seven churches, uh, we basically followed the same outline. So, in those seven letters, Jesus, as he's confirming these things to the Apostle John, he stays to kind of the similar outline with each church. Now, there is a little bit of variance depending on the church. So, most of the churches. There's a general introduction, so Jesus somehow affirms his authority to speak to the church. Then there's usually some mention of their good works or the things they're doing well. There's a word of correction or a word of rebuke, and then there's usually some call to repentance. Now, in a couple of cases, in two churches, there were no words of rebuke, Um, and so the outline broke away a little bit in one church, specifically Laodicea, there was no good works mentioned. And in another example, there was sort of a good work mentioned, but it was not really encouraged. It was more like, you're kind of doing this well, but here's all the stuff you're doing wrong. So other than those couple examples, the outline pretty much stayed the same. So as I've been kind of praying over, okay, Lord, what would you write to our church? Like, what would that letter to North Goodland sound like? Um, Just based on years of ministry experience here, being on staff, uh, youth pastor and senior pastor since 2005, uh, saved in the youth ministry here in 1998. Uh, Just seeing all that we've seen over the last so many years, Lord, what would you want our church to know? And so we started last week with identifying Jesus. So that was letter A. So Jesus identifies himself. That's the first blank there. So himself is that first blank. And then number one, we're not going to go through these really in depth, but I'll just kind of review them. Number one, he is the builder of the church. So that first blank is the word builder. We referred to Matthew 16, 18. He says, I will build my church. So he is the one building the body of Christ. We do not build the church. And we talked about kind of a play on words that when we built this building, yes, we physically got involved. We prayed, we gave money towards it and all of that, but he builds the church, meaning the body of Christ, the spiritual body, okay? Um, I could grow a crowd, but I can't grow a church, okay? Like a lot of churches, if they do certain things and follow certain patterns and follow certain models, they can get people to show up. And you can get people to give too. You can, you can get people to do all kinds of things. But if you really want the body of Christ to be the church, like it should be, that has to be a work of the Lord. It doesn't mean we're not involved, right? He uses us to build his church, But he is the builder of the church. Number two was he is the healer of the church. He is the healer of the church. And this is referring to not only his ability to heal us individually when we go through things, when we go through difficulties or trials or stresses, we can go to him. He reminds us of the peace that he gives us. He brings calming to us right through his word. Um, I believe he actually does and is capable of physically healing us if it be his will. Um, I do not believe that physical healing is always going to happen because I don't know that I can say that's always his will because I'm not God. But I'm going to pray as though that person can be healed because God can do it, again, if it's in agreement with his will. Um, And so, again, we believe he is the healer in a kind of figurative sense, bringing that healing to us at times of stress and trial and struggle. He's also the healer of our diseases and our sicknesses, if he so wills. In this example, we were talking about some of the stresses that we went through as a church, some of the tensions and divisions. Uh, We had a church split in 2007. We had another mini kind of church... Exodus in 2011. Um, and so we've had some issues of division in our church history. That's not new to church. That's been in church history since the beginning. And so we talked about how God worked in that to bring healing in our body to where, I mean, there was times, and I shared this last week, Sandra and I would be driving to church and I was the interim. So I was still doing youth ministry, but just filling the pulpit on Sundays. And I literally told Sandra, I was like, I, I don't want to go. Can we just not go today? Because I really don't feel like going. It was that tense when you came into a church service. Like just the division and the the bitterness among some, not everybody. And this is the other thing we talked about. Usually when there's division in the church, it's not the majority, it's the minority. It's that small group, right, that are bitter about something. Usually, um, sometimes it's doctrinal, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's you just didn't do it my way. Okay? And my way is the right way and the only way. I used to work with a guy at the hardware store in Brown City. He said, there's two ways to do things, my way and the wrong way. And some of us come into church that way, right? Some, some people were like that. And so there was some division and stuff. But to see the Lord, just me sitting back from coming in in 05 and just being so... Honestly, kind of a little wide-eyed, doe-eyed, like ministry. This is, I've been waiting my whole college life to get to here to do this. And everybody's awesome. They all love Jesus. And man, we're just all on the same page. And two years in, we had a church split. And I'll never forget the the night that it kind of kicked off. It was an evening service. And I was sitting over here about halfway back with some of our students. And some things were said from the pulpit, not by our pastor at the time, by someone else. And literally people are standing up, start shouting at the pulpit during church. And somebody stood up and shouted something. Somebody up here stood up and shouted back at them. And it was like, it was just the craziest thing. I'm sitting there kind of a little bit, what's, it's like a movie. Like, am I seeing this? And I just, we said to the students that were in the row, all right, everybody up, everybody out. Let's go. Everybody out. And we just, I marched them out the back door and that was it. And I, we just kind of, it came to a calmness where somebody finally said, hey, this is silliness. We need to stop. And if we have division, we need to pray for healing. And so some people were praying. Some people are storming out. It just got so crazy. And when I say that out loud, knowing where God has taken our church today and what he's got us to, it sounds so foreign. Because I can't imagine that ever happening again. Because I've seen the Lord take us from that brokenness and heal And and restore our church to such a beautiful place of fellowship and unity. But if we don't learn from that history, if we don't understand that's capable of happening, we're going to repeat it. If we don't what? What Paul says in Ephesians, endeavor to keep the unity in the spirit and the bond of peace. He says, endeavor, keep working towards this. That means the peace is available through the spirit, but we have to make sure our mindset and our hearts are centered in Christ and we're enduring for those things. Does it mean we're always going to agree? Nope. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean we can't disagree and we, can't, we can vocalize those disagreements, but we do it as followers of Christ. One in Christ. We realize it's not salvation-based, meaning if you disagree with me about this or that minor thing, we're not going to lose our salvation and have to be divided. We can agree to disagree. And so, again, we've seen that in our church, okay? I would have never—oh, and our roof almost fell in. I mentioned that last week, too. Um, Our whole trust system broke and separated, and we had to get kicked out of the building for four months to have that repaired. So it was just—it's been a crazy— What am I in now? How many years has it been since? 11 years as senior pastor. So, you know, almost 18 years or 18 years as um, ministry here. There's been a lot of things I never would have said. Lord, could you take our church through this? You know, Lord, I think our church really needs to go through this kind of a season. Never once. And in fact, I pray, Lord, can you let this season end? Because we need to be done. But he kept putting us through these moments. Why? And he allowed us to go through them so he would grow His church. And to remind his church, we only need him. Right? We need him desperately because he's the healer of the church. So we talked about all that last week. So jumping into the new stuff, letter B in your notes. So following that outline, and I will try to, in this section and the next one, I'll try to make a little bit more application than just our church whole, but obviously individually because everything we're talking about involves not just corporate church but individual followers of Christ in the church. Okay? So letter B, our good works as a church. Now, I I had to make this a shorter section than I wanted it to. Because the Lord was like, don't go too long there. Because I could keep going and going and going. I think, and I'm not just saying this because I'm the pastor. Because it has nothing to do with me. I love our church. Like, I can't imagine worshiping anywhere else. Because it's just, I love this place. I love the people here. I love seeing what God has done. And so, as I was thinking about, okay, what are biblically sound good works that we do as a church... And this is not to brag or boast, because I already said this. Why are we anything as a church? Because of Jesus Christ. It's not me or the praise team or our children's ministry or our programs. It's Christ. And if we keep Christ-centered and the Word of God-centered, he will grow his church. Again, it may not be a thousand-person crowd, but I'm okay with that if it's his church. So what are our good works? Well, a couple of things came to my mind right away, and maybe you can relate with this. So number one, we are a church that loves one another. We are a church that loves one another. A passage that came to my mind uh, was Colossians chapter 1, 1 through 8. Now, Paul's writing to the church at Colossae, so I'm not saying he would say these exact same things as us, but the principles in this passage, I really do feel as an example of what our church has experienced. He says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, Colossians 1, 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, And Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that he starts his letters that way. Whatever I'm going to say, this is for the encouragement of your peace. This is that you would grow in the knowledge of Christ. He says this, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world and brings forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. As you also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is, your, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, also declared unto us your love in the spirit. That passage, I think of our church, but I, I, I should say this too. I think of a lot of churches. This is not to say we're better than any other church or whatever. I'm not saying that. But for me, I think when I think of our church now and where the Lord has brought us, I feel that we just have a love one for another. I'll give you a, an example. Um, constantly, I hear throughout the course of a year, a week, a month, The times that people have approached me and say... I just want to share how thankful I am for so-and-so bringing me a meal this week in the church, for so-and-so sending me this card, for so-and-so stopping by the house. Somebody just recently I was talking to, they said so-and-so comes by literally like once a week to check on me and make sure I have everything I need, and I'm just so thankful for that. I've had people come out of surgeries, and they'll just text me and be like, I just am overwhelmed by the majority of the church just reaching out and calling me and texting me and cards and offering for meals. And, and it's just, I hear this so often and I absolutely love it because what it shows me is we have a love one for another. And that's not saying that other churches don't. I'm just saying that for me is a huge good work that we can center in Christ and see this is what God is doing, that we love one another, that we care for one another. That when somebody's going through something, often I'll get, hey, I just want you to know, preacher, this is going on. We need to be praying for them. I love that. I love that people are thinking about each other in that way. Uh, This is just to hear the blessings and the encouragements that come through. So nothing brings my heart more joy as a pastor than hearing that we as a church are walking in love one for another. That just excites me. And so to me, one of the first good works that I want to recognize our church takes part in is we have a love one for another. Is it perfect? Do we always get it right? Of course not, because we're fallen creatures and we're not perfect. But I love hearing it more often than not that people are thinking of those things. I love that people ask me, hey, I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. Do you know how they're doing? Can I pray for them? Or they'll come to me, hey, I haven't seen so-and-so. I just reached out to them and checked on them, and they're doing really good. I just want you to know that. I love that. Because a lot of churches, it's like, well, that's the preacher's job. That's the deacon's job. That's the teacher's job to do that, not my job. And in fact, they should be calling me more often. But I love when the people of the church are saying, no, 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 we can have a hand in this. I love that Ephesians 4 says that one of the roles of the pastor of the church, of the pastor teacher, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Do you know what that means? You as the body of Christ going out and doing the work of the ministry. It doesn't all fall on me or Pastor Greg or our board members. We take part in that ministry just like with you. But I love that we have a church that says, hey, how can I help so-and-so? People will call us, hey, I heard so-and-so's having a baby. Are we going to do something? Can I do something for them? Hey, so-and-so's sick. Can I do meals for them? Kelsey has a list of names for funeral dinners if somebody needs dinners made for a funeral or recovering from something or a new, a new baby comes into the world. And, and she'll call it. Very rarely will she get down the list. Say we're doing five meals. First five people. Yep, yep, yep. Very rarely will she say, I got to call the sixth or seventh person on the list. And I love that. So I just want to encourage you guys. I truly believe if the Lord was the rightest of church, I think he would recognize by grace through faith that we are a church that loves one another. And I think it's okay to acknowledge that and praise God for that. Because I've been on the receiving end of that love. And if you have too, then you know how that feels. So it's amazing to know that. Second thing that I believe would be a good work that the Lord would encourage us in. um, And again, this is not just to our church. This is true of many churches, but I see it in our church practically. We are a church that gives... As the Lord leads. What's wrong? Did you? You're awesome, Lynn. You're just, you want to come teach it? You can come up here. You just knew. You're like, I just know our church. Yeah. Um, so Philippians chapter four. I love this passage. And it came to my mind when I was weeks and weeks and weeks ago when I was sitting on my desk kind of thinking, okay, Lord, Lord, what passages would you bring to my mind that we could encourage the church in? So Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. So I know I'm reading a lot of verses, uh, but I really want to kind of walk this out. As you guys are turning to Philippians 4, we're actually going to do uh, pray together tonight. Because the kids won't be in the gym, um, and they're using our prayer room as their small group time at the end instead of, you know, normally. So we're just going to pray together at the end. All right? So hopefully that's okay with you guys, but I look forward to that as well. So Philippians 4. Uh, 10 through 20 says here, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care for me has flourished again, wherein you also, you were also rather careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want for I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. That's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? Respect of want for what Paul said there. I'm going to read that again. He said, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Wherever I find myself as a follower of Christ, I'm content with that. He says in verse 12, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. That word hungry could also be translated starving. Both to abound and to suffer need. What's Paul saying there? What does it mean to abound and suffer need? Rich and poor. To have everything you could ever want and to have nothing you need. is kind of the idea, right? And what's Paul saying there? It don't matter. If the bank account's full or the bank account's empty, it don't matter. Now that's, I, I don't know. I want to say that's my faith, that I believe I could say that. And I think I've tried to say that at times. I don't know if I would say that in every state I'm content. And Paul says, no, it doesn't matter. If I'm stuffed full, right? So like going to the buffet... And having that third plate that you know you should have stopped at one. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, but it's Chinese buffet. And if you don't get more than two plates, they rip you off. So you gotta get more food. Okay. That's the rule. You guys know that. You can't get one plate at a Chinese buffet. Come on. So you go, you leave there and you're just in the car, you're like, why did I do that to myself? I'm so stuffed. Or Thanksgiving meal, right? When you're eating again at like three o'clock and then four thirty and five thirty and you're warming up the stuffing in the microwave, but you really don't need it, but you're just consuming. You're just like, this is so good. You're stuffed. Or you're literally haven't eaten in days. And you've got those pains, but they're not stuffed. They're hunger pains. He says, it doesn't matter. I've learned in both those states. goes on to say this in verse 13. And this is why I wanted to camp there for a second, because we take 13 out of context all the time. It says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Now, Real quick, what do most people, when, you, when most people quote that verse, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. How do you think most people, even most Christians, take that verse? They're super powerful. Okay, super powerful. They can do anything. Yeah, anything they want. It's what I want to do. And if I want to do it, Christ will give me the strength to do it. Okay. A lot of Christians misuse this verse. No, no, I can do all things. In the context, what was Paul just talking about? I'm going to be, yeah, enduring. I'm going to be content whether I'm stuffed or starving. And I'm going to endure that season through Christ who strengthens me. Can do is actually better translated endure. I can endure all things, all seasons. Stuffed, want, abundance, need, I can endure all of this through Christ who strengthens me, which strengthens me. The season I'm in Christ is using to actually strengthen my faith. And we read this and we go, Oh, I can do anything I want in Christ. And what we really mean is I'm going to do it whether Christ wants me to or not. Cause I can. Now I've heard it recently. You've even heard this. I've heard pastors or, or churches promote the idea that nothing is impossible. You can do anything you put your mind to. That's not a biblical thing. The Bible never says humanity can do anything they want and nothing is impossible. The only time it says that is of Christ in you. If Jesus is doing it, nothing is impossible. What does John 15 say? I am the vine, you are the branches. If you don't abide in me, you can do nothing. You can't do everything you put your mind to. I can prove it. Go on the roof, put your mind to flying and jump. When you smack the ground because of the law of gravity, you're going to realize, oh, I can't do everything I put my mind to. That is a humanistic way of thinking, not a biblical way of thinking. Okay, yeah, through grief share. Yeah, you would see that for sure. Yeah, because a lot of people think I'll get through it on my own. I'll push through, but you can't. You need not only Christ, you need others to support you. Absolutely. So he goes on. He's saying this is why this is true. Now he's getting back to the church says, notwithstanding. So he just said, I don't want the, the financial help. I don't want the support because I need it. But he says, notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Now modern terms, when he went out to be a missionary, no other churches supported his mission in the beginning. Only the Philippian church is what he's saying. You guys were the ones that were supporting my missionary work, as we would understand it today. Verse 16, For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. You kept sending the needs that I have. You provided for me. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Saying, I don't want this for me. I want it for the fruit of the gospel. But I have all in abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, An odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. So how does he see their missionary gift? It's actually an offering. This is why we call tithes and offerings offerings. It's going to Paul. It's the ministry needs of Paul. It's providing food for Paul. But Paul sees it as you're actually giving this to the Lord. You're providing for me, but it's really like you're giving it to God as an offering. And by the way, if you go back up, he actually says, you guys wanted to do this in verse 10 but you lacked opportunity. So that means you wanted to give more, you just didn't have the chance. So then we go back down to verse um, 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 19 is taken out of context as well. You see it in graduation cards or wedding cards. You know, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. There's no need you have that God can't provide. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he can fill your bank account too if you just send me twenty nine ninety nine, and I'll pray for you. And I'll send you this little thing of oil and a napkin and it'll be blessed and you'll be fine. This is the stuff you see on these televangelists and this nonsense, right? And they quote that verse, but my God shall supply all your need. Why did the Philippians who Paul's writing to why did they have needs that God needed to supply? What created the need the Philippians had that now God has to meet that need? Yes, they had given beyond what they had to the point where it created a need in them. And Paul says, don't worry about that. God will take care of that. God will supply that need. And we hear this quoted all the time. But yet we forget the part about they were in need because they gave it to the ministry. They gave it to the mission work of Paul. So when I read that passage, I think of our church. I think of our church that's willing to give above and beyond, not just ties, the normal ties that we give for the ministry here and whatnot, but to missions and to this, again, great example, the funds for floors. And I'll give you another example. This last August, we had two missionaries come in August. That usually never happens, where two missionaries come literally back to back. I was a little nervous about it, and I'll tell you why. Because we always take a love offering for our missionaries, and these are two of our missionaries. And I even told our staff, I told Jeff, our treasurer, I said, listen, we're going to take two offerings back-to-back, love offerings. I don't know if we're really going to get a great offering for both, because that's a lot. And I understand. Finances are what they are. I'm not expecting people to be able to give a bunch of money back-to-back. That's a lot to ask. And I'm understanding that. But I said, you know what, if we, if we get about this much money or under, I'd like to kind of give a little bit of the church money to help offset that. I really don't want, you know, Tammy, I think, was the second missionary to come. I didn't want her to kind of lack because, you know, Tim was first, and Tim and Chris get that, or not Tim and Chris, Richard and Allison. There's so many C's, I get them all confused. Richard and Allison C and Tammy C. And, you know, I remember thinking, Lord, I know you can take care of this, but I'm going to have this little plan in my head, and I'll make sure we're good to go. Do you realize that if I took those two offerings and combined them, it was $1,900? Both of them. And actually, the second love offering was a couple hundred dollars more than the first. And so it's amazing to me. When I saw that first love offering, I had two thoughts. That's awesome. Man, poor Tammy. Like, <laughs> oh, we're going to have to really do a lot for Tammy. And she was here Sunday and Wednesday. I'm like, oh man, I really, really I do something for Tammy. And then I remember we took that love offering. And when I, I went down to the office, and when they told me, I about fell over. How is, it, how is it more than last week's offering? Because our church is a church that gives as the Lord leads. It doesn't mean we give frivolously and we use the money frivolously. It means we desire to give where it is needed. And our missions giving is an example of that. Not just special giving, but also just our consistent missionary giving. North Goodland, as long as I've known, has always been a missions-minded church. Our church was actually vital in sending out the C's and the Abrams. So the reason Tammy C. is a missionary is because her parents and relatives were sent out from North Goodland. And because we supported missionaries before that in that family. Go ahead. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and you were in youth group with Tim? Because he was a little older than you? No. Yeah. You're so young, Dave, I always forget who's older than who. But. Um, but no, Dave's been in our church for, for a long time, and he's seen this. Like he's saying, Pastor Crone was a man that loved missions and was very missions-minded. And so why is it today we see a church like North Goodland that's so missions-minded? Because for decades and for multiple generations, we've been a missions-minded church. And that's why I believe God has blessed our church. Because as long as we keep missions at the forefront, And remember that part of our calling as a church is to support those that are overseas doing the gospel work, not just focusing on having the nicest building here. I've said this before, I can't wait for the day we're praying about debt reduction and getting out of a mortgage. My goal is that in a year, our, our budget for a year, we spend out of the building more than we spend in the building. So what I mean is, let's say 60% of all the money that comes in goes back out to missions or community or something like that, where less and less money is staying in the building for, obviously we have utilities and curriculum and things like that, but, but we're not going to have the most up-to-date sound system because we don't need it. And I've heard of churches that spend millions upon millions upon millions of dollars to renovate their buildings, to have all the uptech and all the biggest things and best things and whatever, that's fine. But man, we could do a lot of things with that money that doesn't involve us going, wow, look at that screen. That screen's super, 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 super high def. Like that's so much better. I can see those words so much better. Who cares? Like you could take that money and provide a missionary with a year of support. Where they don't have to go to, do you realize missionaries, I I don't know how they do this. Some friends of mine, we actually support the missionaries to Italy. When they're in the United States, they have to take two trips to the States. They take one for six months to travel to certain churches in the South and another trip to travel to more churches in the North. Because they have so many churches they have to visit because they can't get enough support without going to all these churches. Can you imagine the day when we can tell a missionary you're 100% supported just by us? You don't have to go anywhere else. You don't have to even show. If you want to come home and see us and say, hey, I'm here, and you want to go take a three-month vacation, we're good with that. Just, just come home and relax. But can you imagine the day that we can do that for a missionary? And instead of $100 a month, it's maybe $5,000 a month or, or $5,000 or whatever it takes, uh, uh, however long. I get excited about that. And I know that it's possible because God can do it. And I know it's possible that God can do it if we surrender and allow him to use us as he has already. Uh, Moving quickly through here. You guys should have stopped me. I was going there and you got to be like, hey, preacher, you're not on letter C yet. Let's go. All right, because I can do this all night. As many of you have learned. Okay, so letter C. Now saying all of that, I don't believe that we're beyond correction either. Because here's the reality. I know I'm not beyond correction as a follower of Christ. Um, so our word of correction, letter C, our word of correction. So James 1, 22-25. So James is right after the book of Hebrews. Little book tucked away there in the back of the New Testament. Hebrews, James, and then we get into 1st and 2nd Peter. So it's right in there. James chapter 1, very popular passage, verses 23 to 25. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Verse 25. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now, the book of James is really all about professed Christianity and living Christianity. It's saying there are those who say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, but there's no fruit. There's no evidence of that. And then there are those that say, yes, I'm a believer, I'm a follower of Christ, and there's evidence of that. And James spends a lot of time unpacking that from talking about our actions and our works, how we treat those that are uh, orphans and widows, the poor. He talks about our tongue, how our tongue reflects, whether or not we're really in the Spirit. And so here he kind of, I love this as good, it's kind of like a summary verse for the book of James. He's saying, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Now what's the danger of being a hearer only, according to James? Okay, there's no fruit. What does he say in the text will happen if I'm not a doer, but just a hearer? If I'm a hearer, but not a doer, what does he say is going to happen? Yes, self-deception. What does that mean? How can I, wait, but I'm hearing the word. I'm not doing it, but I'm hearing it. How does that deceive me? Because here's the reality. You sit under the preaching of God's word, or you study the word of God on your own, and God begins to move and convict and pull and push as he does so graciously for our blessing and his glory, and we ignore it, but we think we're good and spiritual because we heard the word. Well, I read the Bible, so that makes me a pretty good Christian. I'm not doing it, but I'm okay because I read the Bible or I heard a good sermon. Maybe you even hear like a hard preaching, like a hard teaching, and you go, oh man, that was good, good, hard preaching. And you feel like, I'm, I'm good because I heard that. But you really are deceiving yourself into thinking you're walking in Christ as you should be, but you're really not. And James says, if you're a hearer, not a doer, you're actually deceiving your own self. You're convincing yourself of an untruth, something that's not true. And he says, don't do that. And in fact, don't just be like the one who looks into a mirror, sees himself in the mirror, but then walks away forgetting what he saw. And I always have to use this as an illustration. A friend of mine who's a pastor Um, currently not serving in a church, but is candidating for a church uh, down south, Nathan, Pastor Nathan Whipple, uh, he said it one time way back at the old building, he was preaching when he was college. And he said, it's like you're going out on a date and you're a younger person, maybe late teens. And you look in the mirror and you see a, a giant pimple on your face. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's white in all of its glory. It's just there. It's about ready to just pop. And you see it and you go, I look all right. And you get in the car and you go pick up your date. You forget all about what's on your face. You forget all about what's there. That's the example here. You look into the mirror and you see the things that need to change because God's word is doing that work in us by the spirit. And we go, yeah, I'm good because I heard something hard or I read something difficult and we walk away. So what's that going to say to our church? Well, I first believe this could be a word of correction for all of us individually at times as well. So it's not just church correction, it's individual. Like, I know there's times in my life where I'll be reading the word, and I know God is saying, you need to deal with this, or you need to go, or you need to whatever. And in my Christian life, I've not always said yes. I've not always said, okay, Lord, I'll talk to that person about Jesus. And in fact, I've said no sometimes, and it's amazing how the God worked that out. And I won't get into it right now, but he's showed me in a real-life practical example how when I said no, he led someone else to witness to the same person two minutes later. And the person came to Christ because that person was faithful to be obedient. And I said, no, I got to be involved in the process, but I didn't get to be the one that went over and talked to him first because I said no to God. But that also showed me that if God's doing something, he's doing something. I can't stop God from doing something. I just don't get to be involved if I say no. And so I know individually we could agree that, man, I, I, I can see this in myself. There's been times I've been a hearer of the word and not a doer. As we grow in grace and in Christ by his spirit, He will reveal to us ways in which we have heard the word, but not applied the word. For some of us, again, me at times, I might do the word in this season, but struggle in the next. I might very much apply what I heard today, but tomorrow is a different story. Again, this is why I'm so thankful for grace. Not as an excuse to sin, but as a reality of the goodness of God to hold us when we waver in obedience. He never does. So what's a specific example then seen in our church, not just individually, but corporately? And again, I'm not saying this is true of everyone, but what's a good example of this that I've come to see over the last 18 years of ministry and 25 years of being in church here? I would say, number two in your notes, a specific example of this is seen in our church by our habit of gathering for Sunday morning church and ignore other worship or service opportunities. Or ignore Sunday mornings as well, believing them to be optional. Over the last 18 years of ministry, this is the one thing that I've consistently seen, season of season and season, where vast majority of our church treats either Sunday morning as optional or other church services as secondary, not as important because I went on Sunday morning, so I'm good. Now I know what you're thinking. Preacher, you're talking to people who are here on a Wednesday night. And I get that. I get that. But what did I just say a few minutes ago? Just because I'm obeying the word today doesn't mean I'm going to obey it tomorrow. And this is just one example. Now, where does the word say that we need to do that? Well, Hebrews 10.25. It's clear that we are not to forsake the assembly. This means whenever there is an assembly of the body of Christ, we must not forget. Doesn't mean we can always be there. but We must not forget how valuable and needful it is to us individually and collectively to be involved. Yes, we can and are saved apart from the habit of gathering for church. However, a Christian not connected to a local body will struggle in their growth in Christ and omit their opportunities to serve the church with their spiritual gifts. Again, this is not a new issue for our church. As I said before, we have been in this building And saw tremendous growth from 2003 to 2006, where we were hitting 400 people on a Sunday morning. It was amazing to see that. And yet, our secondary services saw a massive drop-off from that Sunday morning to Sunday night. Again, this is also not just an issue for us, but the American church as well. Many churches have merely gotten rid of their secondary services because of lack of attendance. Again, I understand there are work commitments, health issues, various things that arise in our lives that make attendance difficult or even impossible. There is grace, of course. However, what is our heart and mindset regarding gathering with the body of Christ? Is it flippant or based on convenience? Or do I long to be with the body of Christ? Do I desire to just be with God's people? Because we're family. I want to be with my family. I want to see and hear what God is doing. I long to grow with them and help them grow by using my gifts and talents to help. I shared this on Sunday morning, but this last, last week, we had a chance to sit with a woman and talk. as She has been recovering from an Ill, like a, a surgery that she had. A very serious one. I mean, I can't believe at her age she's even where she is in the recovery process. But Sandra and I were sitting with her, and it's been week, only a few weeks, really, Uh, Maybe a month, I think, since she's been able to attend a service. She's not always in the community for us. Sometimes she goes up to a different family member and goes to church with her daughter up north somewhere. And so we understand that. By the way, this woman's 90. And she was in tears because she just missed gathering. And I said it on Sunday. Her daughter tried to show her on the phone how to use the app. And she said, that's okay, but that's not church. She said, I want to be with the people. And it was just, it just spoke to me that this woman who has a very legitimate reason, she cannot get around. And we told her that, no, you're fine. We love you. You're fine. Take your time, recover. But for her to be in that state and just long to be with the body of Christ. And then at times, believers, we are very capable of gathering with the body. We're very able to go. But it's a little early on a Sunday morning and I'm kind of tired. The weather's not great. I got a lot to do later. I'm just going to kind of take it easy. And that's where it comes back to the heart issue. It can't be legalism where I just go to check a box. It can't be works-based because none of that works. I'm just asking, do we have that hunger and that desire? Because if we say we do and don't act, then we're doing James 1. If we as a church will commit to not just hearing but doing what his word says. We will see greater opportunities to quote, provoke one another in love and good works. That's the whole point of Hebrews 10, 25. Why does the author of Hebrews say, don't forget the assembling because it's in the assembling that we can provoke one another to love and good works. So again, it's so important that we understand that we will see a greater growth in the knowledge of Christ and his gospel as we continue to study the word together, one of the greatest cautions in church history, one of the greatest guardrails in church history against heresy and false teaching is the gathering. It's when individual Christians get off on their own and they begin to think through these different doctrines and create these different thinkings and teachings. And without the guard of the church body to say, no, that's not right. That's how you have so many weird and twisted views of things in our world today. To where I just had a conversation with somebody who literally said, Jesus is not God. We don't need the Bible to know God. We know God by what he has said to us in our own being. And that if you teach you need Jesus to go to heaven or you need the Bible, you're a a heretic and you're preaching a false gospel and blah, 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 blah. And I just was, I literally was staring at my screen going, what? Like, you know nothing of God in Jesus Christ apart from creation and his word. So again, that thinking, how does somebody get on that way? Because they're not connected to a local church. They're not under sound teaching by a a spiritual leader. They're in their own heads, coming up with their own thinking. And now they're gathering others in the community to come and listen to this teaching. How dangerous is that? So again, what's the guard? The body of Christ. The gathering together. And so just as we saw in every letter in the book of Revelation... Just as it was true of every one of those seven churches, Jesus gives us an opportunity to repent. First John 1 John 1.9 is clear to all believers that all we must do is confess to him, repent, turn from that sin, and know we are forgiven. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That is written to the church. 1 John was written to the body of Christ. So we don't need to beat ourselves up or tear ourselves down. But in Christ, we move forward knowing that it is he who is able to use us for his glory to be a blessing to others and be blessed ourselves. So again, maybe for you, it's not Hebrews 10.25. That would be the application of James 1. Maybe you see something different in your life. Then will you respond in repentance and say, Lord, I need to apply your word. Not just hear it, but be a doer of the word. Maybe you would say your prayer life isn't where it needs to be then give that to him tonight, right now, and say, Lord, give me a stronger prayer life that I would commit my time to you. Bible study, I need to be in your word that I might know how you think and what you have for me that I would live in a way that honors you. Spend time with him. Don't wait. Do it now. Lord, you know where I'm lacking. Would you help me in this? I repent of that. So prayer application. Again, as we did with every one of the seven churches, we can be praying that our church will be doers of the word and not hearers only. We will look to his spirit and his word to strengthen us as we continue to strive to be a church that is generous and loving to others. We will pray to be, and this is our mission statement as a church. We will pray to be a kingdom-focused church, not a self kingdom, not our kingdom, his kingdom. A kingdom-focused church that loves God, loves others, and loves to serve. That's our desire. And that's what God has for us if we would get on board with what he's doing. And I'm I'm so thankful for our church. Absolutely love what God is doing. But again, I know we're not above correction. And I can tell you right now, as the pastor of the church, if you think I'm sitting here telling you that I'm somehow reached some level, I have not. I have desperately needed His grace. I have sinned in ways over the course of my Christian life that I've needed to cry out to Him and say, "I need. I need the gospel." Not, "I needed the gospel." I okay, I needed it at one time. No, no, I need it right now, every day. I need the gospel. Because I need his grace. And so I can tell you, one of the words of correction the Lord has spoken to me is, I've not always been the pastor I need to be. I haven't always had the best shepherd's heart. I haven't always loved the flock the way I should. I haven't always prayed for the church like I should. So I know one of the words of correction, he'd be writing to me saying, Hey, elder, let me just tell you some things you need to work on. But I'm so thankful that right after that, he says, and there's grace to repent. And over the years, he's shown me that. And so, again, I'm so thankful for that. So let's do this. We'll go ahead and pause this time. We'll stop the, the lesson time, if you will, and move into prayer time, which I know usually we pray right here, but we're not going to do that because we're going to pray together. And so um, we're not going to break up per se. But I would love to open it up. If anyone has a prayer request or a praise, um, I, don't, I think we gave out prayer guides last week, I think. So there should be some at the Welcome Center. If you didn't get one last week, please make sure you grab one. The pastor forgot to grab those. So um, those are out there. But does anyone have a prayer request or a praise they'd like to share before we dive into prayer? Andrew. Amen. in depth, right? Which is crazy because I've known him for twenty five years, but I've never actually done that, right? Just, yeah. He's always just known i a church kid. So and I was scared, honestly, and that's the thing. Like for me it's that's always been my biggest trouble with mm. friends just truly telling them my faith. And I told him if I don't tell you this, I'm a cover, and how can I could ever truly believe this if I don't tell you this so, Wow. Mm. Yeah, amen. And his name is Brian. Brian. Be praying for Brian for salvation, for relief of these panic attacks, and just a praise for God giving Andrew the opportunity to do that. Uh, We've all felt that fear to share Christ, Um, especially with those that are closest to us sometimes. Family and friends can be the hardest. Because they almost know us so well. And like you said, if he shot you down before, it's easy to say, wow, he's going to shoot me down again. So what a praise that you took that opportunity to speak and share the gospel. So amen on that. But I'll be praying for Brian, for salvation. Anyone else? For a request for praise? Kelsey? Hmm. Wow. Okay. Okay. Pray for, uh, his name was Dick. What's the wife's name? Ruth. Ruth. Pray for healing, obviously, but wisdom, treatments, all those kind of things. Amen. Absolutely. Anyone else? A prayer request or a praise? Yeah, David. David. Yep. Pray for, uh, Andy's mom, Carolyn. Andy's down there. Is William down there too? I'm taking it. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we'll be praying for Andy as she's down there spending time with her mom, uh, for healing, obviously for her mom, but also just strength for the family and an enjoyable time together. Love seeing that picture on Facebook. That was so cool to see that her being able to be with her mom. I know that was a big stressor for her to be up here and the mom, her mom's down there and everything else. So um, if you guys would be praying for, um, so speaking of what Andrew was sharing, um, I've always kind of felt that way too. You know, you think you know what to say, but when I was younger, I really struggled as a teenager coming to Christ, young 20s, you know, kind of hesitant. Um, I absolutely love that the Lord has given uh, Anthony, my son, my oldest, um, a spirit of just boldness in that. Just um, Just randomly when was this? Monday night. He gets, we're at home and we're talking and stuff. And I was in the car and he was hanging out with one of his buddies. And he's like, yeah, he's like, uh, he's like, you know, we're just sitting around talking and, and they were hanging out after band practice. And he goes, yeah, my friend Luke was like, you know, so what do you think happens after we die? And Anthony's like, so I was able to just like tell him the whole gospel right there. And he said, Luke was like, well, I know you're a Christian. So like, what do you, what do Christians believe about that? Like, what does the Bible say about that? And I just love that he just nonchalantly was like, yeah, so I just told him about Jesus. Like, like no fear. Like, I was just like, I applaud that. Cause at 16, I didn't have that kind of comp, like to just be like, yeah, let me tell you about Jesus. And this is like one of his good friends. And so I, I love that, that he has that spirit about him. Um, and actually, uh, one of his friends that he kind of shared Christ with a couple months ago, um, We don't know yet, obviously, what the Lord's doing, but he's here tonight in youth group, one of those friends um, from school. So just a huge praise for what the Lord's doing there. So if you guys would be praying for, uh, his name's Luke, and just for salvation and and peace in that, just a friend of Anthony's. Anyone else, a prayer request or a praise? Yes, ma'am. Okay, okay, okay. So pray for Paige's grandma, okay, yep, grandma going in for a biopsy soon. Oh, okay. Okay. So pray for her, for Nancy, for healing there, and for pray the Lord will take care of it. So when they go for the biopsy, there's nothing to check. We pray for that. Pray for healing there, of course, but wisdom in all of that for the Lord's will to be done. Anyone else? Lynn? I don't know how much, I don't want to too many details, but John Velasco's mom is in need of prayer. Okay. Okay. Let's be praying for John Velasco's mom. Some of you guys saw that prayer chain go out. So I'll be praying for her for healing. Yeah, Michael. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, pray for for Michael and Melissa, their paperwork's all clear, so they're good to go there, so praise the Lord, and for whoever that foster child will be, that the Lord will just work in all of that, give them wisdom, patience, and all those things, of course. What a praise. Amen. Anyone else? Uh, Nothing that I've heard definitive. Um, As far as I know, last I knew, uh, they were still waiting on the biopsy results to come back to confirm exactly what's going on. Um, And so she had a little bit of an issue with her breathing um, over not this last weekend, but the weekend before. Um, And so she was kind of getting that all checked out and stuff, making sure her oxygen and everything levels were good. Um, It sounds like she was improving into the beginning of this last week with that. Um, But yeah, as far as I know, there's no res- official results yet. So they're not really saying anything until they get that biopsy back and say, okay, it's X, Y, and Z, and this is the treatment and all that stuff. So, But as far as I know, she's doing well, as, you know, as well as can be expected. Anyone else? Okay. Uh, she's that little 12 year old girl. Yes. Okay. And um, it, the boy said that she was just like Jatavia normally because she's a happy, loving girl. She's in a wheelchair. She's Her hair's gone. You know? Yeah. She's got a, a hat on, but she's still teasing and playing. Good spirits and stuff. It's just amazing. So, yes. Just keep praying for Jatavia. Jatavia. Yeah. Okay. Be praying for her. She's 12. Mm-hmm. Has bone cancer? Yep. Yeah, lung cancer, bone. It started as bone cancer. It's, it's very aggressive. Okay. It uh, went into the lungs and her spine. She's actually is paralyzed um, mm. by being in her spine. And um, they were able to get the tumor off on the spine, and the spinal cord looked like it was starting to pulsate again, like hmm. there were signals going through. Okay. because of that. So I okay. don't know if she's in the wheelchair because she's weak or because she still has the paralysis there. Sure. Mm. Okay. Yeah, be praying for her. Absolutely. Praying for the family, parents and all of that. I can't imagine what they're going through, obviously. A lot for them to handle as well. So be praying for them. Anyone else before we pray? All right. So uh, we'll do it kind of like we've always done. And so we'll just kind of open it up for free time of prayer. If anyone would like to pray out loud, they're welcome to. You're not required to uh, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, If you want to share a specific request or just pray what's on your heart, that's fine too. But we're going to bow in prayer. And then once it's quiet for a little too long, I'll go ahead and uh, close us in prayer in just a few minutes. All right? So real quick before we do that, I do always ask in the men's group. So I I think we used to ask when we did it before, if there's anyone that would like to start us in prayer. So I always throw it out there if, if you're not comfortable doing so, that's fine. But if anybody would like to start us off, and then it would just be an open time of prayer after that. So would anyone like to start us in prayer this evening? If not, that's fine. All right, well, Jeff, okay, go ahead, brother. And then after Jeff, like I said, if you feel led to pray, go ahead and I'll close in just a few minutes.